You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killey. I'm Zach. I'm a pastor here at New Hope. And uh, I just want to start out by asking a quick question. Uh, Would any of you like a $20 bill? And if you do, show some initiative. Come on. Just one. Just one. Oh, you're on sabbatical. All right. Still got time for that. So wait. So is that okay? No. Why? Because I've been gone a month and this is all you got. Why is that not good? I said $20. Why is that not okay? This is more like a million with C.S. Lewis's face on it. Right. It's a, it's a million dollars. Uh, it's not the right size. It's got C.S. Lewis's face on it. Actually, I think you stamped it with your name. And it says New Hope Church on it. And if you look in the corners where there should be like little pyramids and eagles and whatnot, uh, there's a microphone, a bass stock, a guitar stock, and a um, drum kit? Drum kit. Yeah. yeah. Not a $20 bill, Right. You can hang on to it. I don't need Thanks. it back. Thanks. I made Brant give it back, but I'll let you keep it. Um, and you can actually cash that in for a drink up front if you'd like, but you know, no big deal. Um, it's not really $20. Why isn't it $20? I said it's $20. It's green. It's paper. Doesn't that work? No. Because it's clearly not $20. We're familiar enough with $20 that we know $20 when we see $20. And so this doesn't cut it. This doesn't spin. This is not legal tender. It's a band buck. First John has something to say about that kind of idea. First uh, John 4, 1 through 3 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. There are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. That seems oddly specific, right? Why, why to acknowledge that Jesus came in a physical body, that he was a real physical body? Why that, right? There's lots of people that acknowledge that. It also says the truth about Jesus, but why physical body? John is likely dealing with proto-Gnosticism. Early Gnosticism, before Gnosticism is even a thing. Dualism, if you will. The idea that spirit is pure and clean and good and that flesh is evil and wicked and sinful and dirty, right? The Gnostic would generally look at the world and say, well, the whole point of being a person is that we live this life in this fleshy prison that our soul is trapped in and that one day the spirit, when we die, will be freed from this this little prison of sin and and darkness and badness and whatnot. And then we'll be pure, we'll be perfect, we'll be good. And so since the flesh is wicked and gross and disgusting, there's no way God, who is spirit, would have actually become flesh and blood. 
right? Why would he do that? Why would he make himself bad? He must have faked it. Jesus must have faked it. He appeared as though he was flesh and blood. He appeared as though he actually died on a cross, that he actually rose from the grave, that he actually walked among us, but it must not have been real. He was just, he was just putting on a show, right? Because God would never do that. That's what they're saying about Jesus. And John is saying, no, that's a lie. That's not Jesus. I know Jesus. I knew Jesus. I walked with Jesus. I ate with him. He cooked for me. He handed me things. I touched his flesh. He washed my feet. We walked alongside each other. I know him. And that's not him. You can't just make things up about him because then that's not Jesus at all. John is saying it matters what you say about Jesus. You can't just make up your own version of Jesus. And you're probably going, okay, that's really interesting, but I don't know any Gnostics, so why does this apply to me? Well, you probably do know some people that think in kind of in Gnostic terms. Honestly, we kind of think in Gnostic terms sometimes, but, but not totally, just kind of, right? There's probably people in your life that think that way, but more than likely, there are other fabrications of Jesus. Are any of you familiar with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Yeah? Mormons. Mormons. Um, you know what they believe? Well, you're going to learn. Uh, Jesus is a created being, not the creator. They believe that Jesus was born out of a sexual relation between Father God and one of his many celestial wives, and that he was literally conceived and birthed. <clears throat> they believe that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, that they are actual brothers. They believe that God is not the only God, and he's not the infinite God, but <clears throat> that he comes from an infinite line of gods. That there's as many gods as you can imagine. They go back super, super far. We don't know how many gods there have been. And that our God was a really good guy. He was a man once, and then he became God, and then he got his own little universe, and then, you know, Jesus came, and then, you know, if, if we're good, we can actually be God too, and then maybe we can have our own little universe and make our own little Jesus someday, right? They believe that a person is saved by Christ's sacrifice, but they believe that a person is saved by Christ's sacrifice after they have done everything within their power to save themselves. And then Jesus will come in and he'll pick up your slack. But you got to exhaustively pursue the truth first. And they deny the Trinity. Because if Jesus is lesser than God, he can't be equal to God. And they think that they're separate. And they think that the Holy Spirit's just an impersonable force. And it's totally different. What about Jehovah's Witnesses? Jesus is the Archangel Michael. They believe uh, that there is no Trinity. They deny the Trinity as well. Um, Jesus was Jehovah God's first creation. They take that whole, he is the firstborn of all creation. They take that very literally, that he actually was created and that he was the first creation. Uh, they believe that Jesus was not God. He was not God in the flesh, that God did not become a man, but that Jesus was just a man, Right? He was not God incarnate. They deny the physical resurrection. They believe that he was spiritually resurrected, but that his actual body never raised from the dead. And as far as the second coming uh, goes, they believe that happened in 1914. So sorry you guys missed it. 
um, that's already happened. Yeah. Islam believes that Jesus is a prophet, but that he's not divine. They don't believe that he was resurrected. Christian science, this is my favorite one, because Christian science is kind of like grape nuts. It's neither Christianity nor science. That one's fun. And then you got New Age. You got the New Age. They got their own Jesus. The Hindus have their own Jesus. Buddhism has their own Jesus. Kenneth Copeland's got his own Jesus that really likes $20 million jets. You know, we've all just kind of made our own little versions of Jesus. But the question here is, what's the real Jesus? That's what John is saying. So you can't just make this up. And he said, if somebody tells you they're from God, you don't just believe them. If somebody says, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, you're not supposed to go, that's awesome. You're supposed to go, what do you believe about Jesus? Which one? The real one? He says, test the spirits. Because these people are evil. They're either confessing the real Jesus or they're confessing the Antichrist. No gray area. It's the real one, or it's a God that can't save you. It's a make-believe God. That's what he's saying. Let's move on to 1 John 4, 4 through 6. It says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them, but we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. He's saying you're good. If, if you know the real Jesus, you're good. Have confidence in that because you're pursuing the real Jesus. But he's saying, but the people that don't know Jesus, they sound like the world and they listen to the world. And when they hear the truth, they reject it. And you can tell them, you can tell who is who by that matter. You see, there's only one way to know who Jesus is, who he really is. Any guesses as to what that might be? Put on your Bible thinking caps, come on. The Bible, bingo, the Bible, that's it. That's the only way to know the actual Jesus, who Jesus is, right? You know, there's a lot of religions that just, they just pray and say, well, God gave me a word and I know it's true. That's what happened if you talk to a Mormon. If you say, well, no, 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 your version of Jesus is all wrong. Like, this isn't true. Like, Jesus is God. He's not just some creation. They'll go, no. No, see, I've heard that, but then I prayed about it and God told me I was right. And you go, well, wait, but what do you tell to a Muslim that says, oh no, Jesus was just a prophet and I prayed about it and God told me I was right. And then how do you turn and look to the Jehovah's Witness and say, oh yeah, no, he's the Archangel Michael. Uh, Archangel Michael. I, I prayed about it and he told me I was right. Like, how do you know? How do you look at them and go, no, you're wrong. There's only one. How do we know that? Because of the Bible. Just this week, I heard a preacher say that if you say that the, the Bible is inerrant, if you say that it is the truth of God, then you're worshiping the Bible and not Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, anybody that tells you that is a liar and they are either very mistaken or they're just flat out lying to you, okay? Because the truth of the matter is we can only know Jesus through Scripture. And if Scripture isn't inerrant, then we can't trust it and we can't know Jesus. It all falls apart. It has to be inerrant 
That is the only way to know Christ. That's it. That's how we know the real Jesus. I think John is alluding to something that happens elsewhere in Scripture, whether he knows it or not here. I'm reminded of the Bereans. You know the Bereans? In Acts 17.11, this is what it says. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. You see, Paul goes to the people in Berea, right? And he's like, look, I I was a Pharisee. I was a murderer. I was was horrible. I was responsible for the deaths of, of Christians. And I met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. I saw him. He blinded me. And then he told me, you're going to be my servant. You're going to go and you're going to tell the Gentiles about me. You're going to suffer for me greatly, Paul. And he goes and he tells them all this. And the Bereans hear this. And you know what? I bet on knee-jerk reaction, some of them were probably like, no way, not this guy. He's bad news. But others probably said, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds like Jesus. That sounds like something Jesus would do. That, that seems spiritual enough. That feels good. That feels right. I want to believe that. And then they left and they went about their business. No, they didn't. They went to the scriptures. They didn't just stop on the emotion. They didn't just stop on this feels right. I want this to be true. This is good. They went to the scriptures and they read the scriptures. And as they studied and searched and searched, they start realizing, no, this is right. This adds up. This is biblical. This is true. He really did know Jesus. Nothing he's saying is contradicting what God would do. This is right. We believe him. We are to be like the Bereans. We got to test their words. We got we to make sure that what people say lines up with Scripture. Because the problem is, all these cults, because that's what they are, right? Let's just call it for what it is. They're cults. They say denominations. They say Christianity. It's not. It's not. They could have been avoided. All of it could have been avoided. All these problems could have been avoided, but they didn't search the scriptures. People didn't go back to the scriptures. When Joseph Smith comes and says, yeah, I just looked inside a hat and I saw this angel named Moroni and it was great. They didn't go and go, well, this is nowhere in scripture. They were like, oh, that sounds great. That makes me feel good. I'll believe him. Had they just gone to the scriptures and said, no, this isn't right. This is contrary. All this, what he says about Jesus isn't right. What he says about God isn't right. What he says about salvation, none of it's right. It doesn't add up. This isn't Jesus. Had they done that, it wouldn't be a problem today. And here's the issue. I feel terrible for anyone that doesn't know God, that is trying to make their way through the world today, and they have to wade through all of this made-up crap to get to the truth when none of it even needs to exist in the first place. None of it needs to be there at all. Because we should be able to search in the scriptures and say, no, that isn't right. And I know that isn't right because the Bible says it isn't right. They didn't test the scriptures. I don't want to add another little side here. I find this is interesting. You ever notice that every religion has to work around Jesus? Right? Because Jesus is a stumbling block for their ideologies, right? 
When you read the Bible, Jesus makes it very clear there is one way, and that is through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a narrow road. It's a hard road. It's a hard life. It's a life of suffering. And then you got people that are like, do whatever you want. It's fine. And Jesus just loved people because he was a hippie. They just flip it on its head because here's the deal. When you're confronted by the real Jesus, you either have to change or you have to change Jesus. And they all change Jesus. But what's interesting to me is you don't see religions taking the prophet Muhammad and reworking Muhammad. You don't see them taking Buddha and reworking Buddha. You don't see them taking Gandhi and reworking Gandhi or the Dalai Lama. You don't see any of these other major world religion figures getting repurposed for their use because they're not God. And even the unbeliever knows it somewhere inside them. There's something about Jesus that they just can't get around, and so they got to make their own. We are called to know the real Jesus Christ. Today we took communion, and we talked about this before a million times, and we'll talk about it a million more times because it's important to know what communion is. It's the time that we celebrate that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Here's why that's important. We are sinners in every way. If you just go by the Ten Commandments, you guys ever watch uh, Ray Comfort on, uh, uh, what is it, Living Hope, Living Waters Ministries? It's on YouTube. He does a great job. But he always just asks people the Ten Commandments, and he always gets every person with every single one of them because we are all guilty of breaking every commandment. And on that alone, on that alone, we should be owed death because The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Wages are a payment. Wages aren't a punishment. Wages are a payment. You see, what the Bible is saying is that we want death so bad that we're willing to work for it. And God is just enough that he is willing to give us our due payment. But he's loving enough that he, 2,000 years ago, in real time, on this earth, the one we're walking on today, in this timeline, in this reality, in this time and space, entered into it and became a human being named Jesus Christ. That the God, the spirit God of the Bible became a physical flesh and blood human being. And he went to bat for us. That he paid his flesh and his blood and gave his life for the flesh and blood and life that we owed. He went to the father and said, this is what they owe and my payment is enough here. And he laid down his life. He didn't have to, he didn't need to, but he did. And then he rose from the dead three days later. And he said, if you just follow me, if you'll just believe me, this gift is free and it's everlasting life. That's the gift, that's the payment. He is the way, the truth, and the life but what happens if you put your faith in Mormon Jesus? Mormon Jesus is pretty cool. He's still strong, right? He's still, like, he's not God, but like, he's still, he's good, right? They say they're Christians, it must work. No, because it's not the God of the Bible. What do you do when you put your faith in Jehovah's Witness God? What do you do when you put your faith in in the the God of Islam or the Jesus of Islam? What do you you get when you put your faith in, in any of these fabricated Jesuses? You might as well be praying to the Michelin man because he's not real. He can't save you. 
If you expect that God, that make-believe Jesus to go on your behalf based on somebody's word that you're just taking for it, you might as well take that million dollars I gave Jason at the beginning of this uh, sermon and try and pay with your uh, pay for your lunch after this service with it. See how that goes. They'll laugh at you. They'll laugh at you if you try to pay with that dinky little piece of paper that's clearly not a $20 bill. So what do we have to do? Do we have to just like learn everything about every world religion so we can like know the difference? So we can be like, oh yeah, that isn't Jesus. Oh, that's not Jesus over there either. Oh, that's not Jesus over there. We just got to scour and read encyclopedias and get on Wikipedia and get on the internet and, and, and read all these different religious books. No, God does not expect that of you at all. You do not have to do that. Does it help sometimes? Sure, but you don't need to. I was listening to a uh, quick video on YouTube when I was preparing for this. It was like a five-minute video. Um, it was by Pastor Robert Watson. And uh, that's where I kind of got this idea for the counterfeit bill thing. I expanded on it a bit. But the reason it all kind of clicked for me was he said, did you know that there are people in the United States whose job it is to be able to spot counterfeit bills? That's their whole job. They're, they're trained to know when a counterfeit bill comes across them. And do you know how they train for that? Do they, do they just work with all sorts of fake bills so they can go, oh, nope, this one's not real. Oh, nope, this one's not real. And they study those fake bills to know what a fake bill looks like? No, because there's too many random versions of fake bills. You'd never be able to learn them all. So what do they do? They work with real money. They handle real currency, real tinder every day. They know how it feels. They know what it looks like. They know just what shade of green it is. They know where each symbol needs to be laid out on that bill. They can tell the texture. They can tell the width and the depth and the height. They can see it. They know the ratio on where things need to sit because they are so, so familiar with that real money day in and day out. So when a fake comes along, they spot it from a mile away. It's not, it's not the real thing. I know the real thing too well, and that's not it. So what do we do? Well, the word of God is the only way to know the real Jesus Christ. And we have to know it inside and out. Backwards, forwards, we need to know it. We need to know it. We need to study it every single day of our lives. We need to talk about it with our friends and with our families. We need to make it just part of our everyday life that we are just enveloped in Scripture. That's what we talk about. That's what we think about. That's what we love. And when we know that Jesus, when we really know him, when we've really seen who he is and what he said, and we've, we've seen that it's good and it's true and that it is, it is a saving grace. When we know that, you'll be able to spot fake Jesus from a mile away. You'll be able to spot fake God, fake Father, fake Holy Spirit, fake gospel, all of it. Because when you put the real thing up against the fake, the fake crumbles. That's what we're being called to today. That's what John is saying. He's saying it matters what you believe about Jesus. Because if you believe in a fake Jesus, you have a fake salvation. 
and that matters. To live, love, and go like Jesus, get to know the real Jesus. Get to know the real one. Don't waste your time on the fakes. Don't waste your time worrying about, well, I don't know, that kind of sounded, that sounded interesting. I've never heard that before. No, just get to know the real thing. And so when you see the fake, it's apparent. Those other Jesuses can't save you, so get to know the one that can. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.